Expo and all the ones that are at the men's meeting for safe travels. Um, Sister Milka says, please remember my dad. He is in the hospital as, and his surgery is tomorrow. And Brother Colley, <clears throat> uh, brother, brother and Sister McCollum passed away. Remember their family. And Sister Barbara says, for, uh, Sister Frieda asked prayer for a sinus infection today. We know we have many other needs. If you have an unspoken request you'd like to lay before the Lord, let's just up, 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 lift your hand. Lord God, we're so grateful, Lord, to have the privilege to be able to lay these requests at your feet, Lord Jesus. And we know we have a prayer answering God. Someone that looks down at our knees and can be touched, Lord God. And we just ask, Lord, that you'll remember each and every one of these knees, Lord Jesus. And the ones that, that Lord, that, that, that weren't spoken, Lord, you know every need of the heart, Lord, this morning. Lord, I, I pray, Lord, that you'll just bless this service, Lord Jesus. Bless every need, Lord. Bless every heart, Lord God, that you'll answer Answer prayer, Lord Jesus. Bless the service today, Lord God, that the words that are spoken and the songs that are sung will be edifying to your people, Lord, and strengthen them and help them, Lord. And we just we just ask this blessing upon these knees in your name. Amen. You can be seated. Sure, appreciate the brothers and sisters in the back for getting uh, all this in working order. <clears throat> I think I think it helps to have it on the screen a little bit. So, so we made it. Uh, we we made it through Hebrews chapter seven, and we're on Hebrews chapter eight, which just kind of continues that same thought. But we want to kind of jump ahead, like what like we've been doing, to kind of set the theme of what we're talking about. That 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 where Paul says the law having a shadow of good things to come. The law, that Old Testament law, all those things that you see, you read about in the Old Testament, were a shadow of <clears throat> the coming of eternal life that God put, could put His life into the heart of the believer, and not the very image of the things can ever, with those sacrifices which they offered year by year, continually make the comers thereunto perfect. But now we've got something that can make us perfect. They can change our life, can change our way of thinking, change everything about us. <clears throat> so just to kind of summarize some of those, those things that we talked about last time, that a shadow, many things that were shattered in the Old Testament, Jonah in the, Jonah in the belly of the whale, the bronze serpent, the manna that fell in the wilderness, the rock that the Israelites drank from, the tabernacle in the wilderness, all, all these things were a shadow of Christ coming and dying for us, that, uh, a shadow of Jesus Christ. Uh, the first Adam the, compared to the second Adam, the Passover lamb, the cities of refuge, the temple veil torn compared to Jesus' body, Isaac, the promised son, uh, and on and on. I mean, you could list out uh, probably take take a, a whole day to just list out all of the, the types and shadows in the Old Testament that were that were speaking of the coming of Christ. <clears throat> So it's a shadow of good things to come. The law, the law shows what God demanded, and Calvary shows what God provided to meet that demand. So you know, we kind of set set the in your thinking last time we were speaking of it. What what if you could just take all of those, take those ten commandments that Moses brought down from the from the uh, <clears throat> from the mountain, and and if you could put those into the believer's heart. So now it wasn't something that you can read off a page and. And say, well, I got to do this and I got to do that, but put it into a believer's heart where it could just be lived. 
Um, <clears throat> if you know that the Torah is, is uh, uh, the, the Jews call it the Torah. It's a, it's a list of all the 613 commandments. If you go reading those, I, I got to reading those the other day, and it's um, it's really good to just kind of meditate on all of the things that God wants us to do about how to conduct ourselves with one another and how to make good judgments and be uh, make good uh, decisions about uh, uh, you know when something somebody comes to court what's right and wrong and you, you put all of that put all of those things into a believer's heart so that it just becomes natural that you treat one another right and so that's that's what I'm going to maybe we'll we'll take a brief. Uh, uh, aside, go on a rabbit trail this morning and kind of look at what how the law is fulfilled in you. <clears throat> so in Hebrews chapter eight, Paul begins to speak about. He said, "Now the things we have spoken, this is the sum." Now see, he's going to sum sum everything up. We've got an high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne in the ma- of the Majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which the Lord pitched and not man. So what's he what's he setting in our mind? He's setting. In the Old Testament, you could see that tabernacle that you could walk through, that only the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies and all of the different furnitures and things that went into it. But that was a shadow of something that's real. So now we've got access to the real. What, what is the real that God could come and dwell in the heart of the believer? Yes, yes. <clears throat> in Hebrews 9, chapter 9, he said, For Christ has not entered into the holy places made with hands, so we're not talking about something that just you can touch anymore, but now God has entered into the heart of the believer, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. And doesn't, doesn't the Bible say that you're seated in heavenly places with Christ? If you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you're seated in heavenly places, because now you're united with that eternal life. So in Exodus chapter 25, it says, and the tongue and the tongues that are speaking of the, how the temple was made, because Paul, he's, he's about to start talking about the pattern in the mount. He said, and the tongues thereof and the snuff dishes thereof shall be of pure gold, of a talent of pure gold. Shall he make it with all these vessels? And look that thou, uh, God's instructions to Moses, look that thou make them after their pattern, which will show thee in the mount. What's the pattern? That God doesn't want to just dwell in in a, a, a building made with hands or a building made of stone, but God wants to dwell in your heart. He wants to dwell in you. <clears throat> so in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 3, he says, For every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices, whereof it is of necessity that this man have somewhat also to offer. For if he were on earth, he should not be a priest, seeing that there are priests that offer gifts according to the law who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things, as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle. For see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern showed to thee in the mount. So he's, he's comparing the, the natural things that the Old Testament priests did, where they would, they would kill animals and, and they would offer gifts for the people. But now he's taking it over to a, a spiritual form. That this, this is spirit, something spiritual is happening. What's the spiritual gift is the gift of the Holy Ghost, the gift of the Holy Ghost in your life. And now this is something spiritual happening. In verse 6 he says, But now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry, by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant which was established upon better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, then no place had been sought for the second. If that first covenant was fine, then you wouldn't need a, you wouldn't need a, a second covenant. You wouldn't need a, a different kind of priesthood, an eternal priesthood. You wouldn't, need, you wouldn't need the gift of the Holy Ghost. You wouldn't need eternal life if that first covenant was not lacking. 
For finding fault with him, he saith, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. And what's that new covenant that Jeremiah talked about? That, that God's life, that he would, he would break, uh, just like Melchizedek did. He, he broke bread and, 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 and served wine, and Jesus was a, which was a type of Jesus, his flesh being torn and his life being poured out so that life could come back into the believer. For this is the, my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many of the remission of sins, is what Jesus said there in the upper room. So in Jeremiah, if we, re, if we go back and read what that, that prophecy of that new covenant is, <clears throat> he said in, in Jeremiah verse 31 of, of chapter 31, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break. Although I was an husband unto them, saith the Lord, but this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. Now that's a covenant. Now when God can take all of those 613 commandments all those law, all that Torah, all the things that God came down off the mountain with and put it in your heart so that you can love your neighbor. So that now you've got power to forgive somebody when they do something wrong to you because you've got the love of God in your heart. That now you're actually fulfilling the essence of what the law is because the lawgiver is in your heart. And it's not a book of rules, but God is living it out in your life. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. You think about what a blessing it is that you can turn to your neighbor in church, and when you walk out the doors, that every Holy Ghost-filled believer has got those commandments in their heart, and got the ability, the power of God in their life, to live those, live those things out, to, to, where the rest of the world can't love their neighbor. But you can love your neighbor. You can love somebody that smites you on your cheek and spits in your face because that's what the life of God gives you. The power of God in the heart of the believer to fulfill the essence of the commandment. <clears throat> so in verse 8 in, of, of Hebrews 8, he says, For finding fault with him, he saith, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and, and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them. Uh, I, I, I put this slide in here because I want to compare how Paul, Paul, what's he doing? He's actually quoting what we just read in Jeremiah. But I, I wanted to kind of call out, because, you know, sometimes people get a little bit critical and say, well, we're not quoting exactly. But look how, look how uh, Paul, he adds, so he interpolates a little bit. He adds his own little thought into his reading of Jeremiah. And this is what I was talking about. I was listening to a, to a rabbi, and he really blasted Paul for doing this and saying, he, he said all kinds of, but, you know, what Paul's doing is he's bringing forth the essence of what Jeremiah is saying. He's 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 he's, a, he's he's elaborate. He's putting his own words and things, but the essence is the same as he quotes. And he says, "Not according to that." So, and right there in yellow is, is some of the things that Paul kind of he, he throws in there as he's quoting Jeremiah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they continue not in my covenant, and I regarded them not, saith the Lord. 
For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts, and I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least to the greatest. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Now, if you really study out the way that the, the, the uh, New Testament preachers quoted the Old Testament, they do this a lot when they're when they're preaching. They'll take a scripture over here and scripture over there, and they'll put it together, and they'll add, they'll add, and they'll. What what are they doing? They're preaching. For now they're preaching from a revelation. That it's not just something that just like uh, they they're understanding the the meaning of what is it needs to be communicated. Amen. <clears throat> So Brother Ram said, you can't, no matter what you do, you quit drinking, quit smoking, quit telling lies, go to church and try to do this and try to do that. You're still carnal. That's just law. The law makes nothing perfect. But what makes perfect? Christ. I might quit stealing, quit, uh, quit lying, quit stealing, quit committing adultery, quit chewing, quit all the things, and I'm still carnal. God don't receive it because I have nothing to offer him in propitiation. But the minute that I lay my hands upon the blessed head of the Lord Jesus and say, Lord, I'm no good. Will you take me as your servant? And God kisses away my sin. I stand perfect in the sight of God. That's right. I'm not standing on my own merit. I'm standing on his. And he has perfected us through his suffering and his blood. You, you think about now, I've got this picture of the cross, the shadow of the cross laying across the scripture. All of that that, this, that the Old Testament required, all of that was fulfilled in Christ. That when he died on the cross, if you're in Christ, then the, then the requirement has been met. That The requirement has been satisfied because his blood paid the price for that. <clears throat> But now I want to kind of get into something that's a little bit difficult to express is that is that you, there is no requirement to come to the cross. But after you come to the cross and you're in him, then it changes your life. There's a before and after before. There's no requirement to come to the cross. But after you come to the cross and get in him, it will change your life. <clears throat> so Paul in, in verse 13, he says in that he saith a new covenant. He hath made the first old. Now that which decayeth and waxeth old is ready to vanish away. So I got these bullet points here. Christ's sacrifice met every requirement of the law. If you are in Christ, every requirement has already been met. There's no requirement for you to do anything. It's not how much you pray or how much you push a penny with your nose or all you have to do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ to receive your salvation. But the life of Christ and the believer will become a living manifestation of the essence of the law. And it begins to express outward in you. So there's no way, there's no requirement for you to come to Christ. But when you come to Christ, you become the, the word manifest on two feet. Now, now, so, so Jesus said in Mark chapter 12, he said, And Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. He's, he's kind of summing everything up. All the Ten Commandments, all the law, everything. The Lord, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. You put the, you put the life of God into a believer and now they can fulfill that because they love God in the way that they should. The way that the Old Testament was, was laid out. Now it's not a commandment anymore. Now you love God. 
And the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. Now, after, after you're born again, now you can love. You're fulfilling that, that law. The law becomes manifest in you. So that's why Romans chapter 8 says, for, for what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. You're not walking after the do's and don'ts anymore, but you're walking after, after a new law, a law of love. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God. So, if you're spiritually minded, you become subject to the law of God. Neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so, be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Now, also in Romans chapter 13, it says, Owe no man anything but what? To love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. You get the eternal life, that life of God in you, and you're able to express the love of God, then you actually are fulfilling the law. That's what the Bible says. For this, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, it's all summed up in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. See, the reason people commit adultery is because they don't love. They don't love the, the person that, they're, that they're, they're talking to. They don't love that girl that they're lusting after. They don't, I, mean, I'm, I don't mean like love like you want to get married to them. But they, don't, they, they don't love them in, as, as part of like wanting to see them saved, wanting to, wanting to see their soul, wanting them to see salvation. The reason people kill is because they don't love. The reason people steal is because they don't love. The, re- the reason, you know, you talk about that sometimes the kids will go to camps and stuff and that somebody will steal their iPhone or steal something that was in their pocketbook. The reason somebody does that is because they don't love. They don't, as a person, as a humanity, they don't want to see them saved. They don't want the good for them. They, 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 they don't, uh, you know, they don't value them as in their humanity. Thou shalt not bear false witness. That's the reason people lie is because they don't love. Thou shalt not covet. Covet to compare, you know, people say there's that saying that uh, comparison is the is the thief of joy. When you covet something somebody else has got, then your your joy is actually robbed. And the the reason that people covet, the reason you want the car that the neighbor's driving or something that somebody else has, is because you don't love. That's what I'm talking about. That's what the the new birth gives you is love. Love to be able to love somebody else. And when you love the, the, the way that, that, that Paul is talking about here in Romans, you are fulfilling the essence of the law. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. So in Galatians, he says, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the law... All the law, all the essence of the Old Testament law is fulfilled in this new covenant when Christ's life is put into the heart of the believer and you can love. 
the way that God wanted you to from the beginning. All the law was fulfilled in one word, even in this. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. You know, you know, when you really think, if you read it, meditate on what that means, that when somebody's going through a trial and maybe they slip up and fall, you look at them with different eyes because you know I'm a human too and I'm going through stuff and I want somebody to give me grace. And you look at somebody and you, because you love them, you give them, you give them a little bit more grace. You give them, you treat them a little bit differently because you realize we're, we're all humans. We're all trying to get to the same goal. If you fulfill the royal law, James said, according to the scripture, thou shalt, if you fulfill the royal law, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Ye do well. Oh, you see, you see how, see how that's difficult to express. There's no requirement to come to Christ. There's nothing you have to do to work yourself up or something to come to Christ. But after you come to Christ, after you get in him, it's going, there's going to be something work out from your members. It's going, what's, what's put on display? Love, the love of God. And first John said, hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good and seeth his brother have need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and truth. First John again, John, so many, so much of what he talked about was about based on love, because he loved Jesus Christ. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten. So if you love the giver, you're going to love those that received eternal life. So if you love Jesus Christ, you can't help but love me. <laughs> and you can't help but love one another. Because if you love Jesus, you can't help but love those that have re- received him. Oh, by that should change our, our attitudes this morning. When you think about, you know, everybody in this building and maybe streaming it online loves God, loves Jesus Christ. And if you've received him, you can't help but love one another. By this, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God. That we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. What, what commandments? The 613 commandments in the Old Testament, that if you go back and read, they're talking about how to be just to one another, how to make good decisions. They're not grievous. They're, they're things that, that uh, you know, just naturally we should just do to one another. And when you've got the eternal life of God living in you, it will become natural. Because as you eat the word, you become the word. And you, you're actually becoming what God wanted you to be. Love is the fulfilling of the law. Brother Brown said in the Brass Serpent, he said, God has a law, and that law is love. God can't work against himself. Then if I love God correctly, then I'm going to testify the truth about God. If I'm in, in love with him. I've got a wife here in the building. God knows I love her. Well, you know, everything good and everything is going to be for my wife. You know that. Sure, just like your husband would be to you. Well, now, if we love God, then my confidence becomes perfect in him as I love him. Now, he can't break that law of love, see, because it's in my heart. Now, you think about, on the left there, I got, what, what is love? 
And First Corinthians uh, 13 will tell you. So, you know, right there at the top of the list, we, of course, we know Brother Brown said love is corrective. Love is corrective because when you're doing wrong, love will, love will straighten you out. But love suffers long. It's long suffering. Maybe sometimes you got children out in the world and, and you realize what long suffering is, because you, but you're patient. Love, love, love will wait a while. Because it's love. Love is kind. Love's not always putting somebody down and saying, well, you ain't worth nothing. See, I don't, I don't like bullying and, and putting down. Because love, love will lift you up. Love envieth not. Voneth not itself. Is not puffed up. Because love, what's love trying to do? Prefer your brother. Doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own. Is not easily provoked. You can poke somebody with love, but they won't slap you back because they love you. Thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things, and never fails. Love will never fail. And that Brother Brown said, "What love cast out devils. Love... Why? Because love is the life. I'm talking about real love, agape love. Love is the life of God. That's Zoe life. That life will cast out devils. When you come in, come home, and your your kids are all running around. Uh, uh, you know, your wife's in a tizzy, and and everything. That Brother Brown said, you just come home and you just start straightening things up and and showing a little bit of love, and and that's I think that's a lesson for all of us. Uh, myself included, because love, uh, a, a hand slapped up against the face or strong words many times fail, but love will always win the day. Amen. <clears throat> so Paul said in Hebrews chapter 9, what are we talking about? We're talking about the law. Take that Old Testament law and putting it into the heart of the believer in a new covenant that that law can be lived out in you. And verily the first covenant had also ordinances of divine service and a worldly sanctuary. For there was a tabernacle made the first wherein was the candlestick and the table and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. He, he's, he's, he's making a point. You could see all these things in the natural, but now we're talking about something spiritual. And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer, and the ark of the covenant overlaid round about with gold, wherein was the golden pot that had manna and Aaron's rod that budded in the tables of the covenant. And over it the cherubims of gold shadowed on the mercy seat of which we cannot now speak particularly. All of those things represented something. Well, what do they represent? Like, like Brother Louise and Brother Wade have been breaking down the, the rod that budded. All, all these things are speaking of the life of God and the believer. That now you can eat of that manna that they that they that the, only the high priest could eat of. Now now you can you can enter in and eat of that. Now now you can have that eternal life with that rod budded and 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 you now those tables of stone are in the believer's heart. Now all of those things that were just shadows of now we've got the reality of it in our lives. In Hebrews chapter nine. Now, when these things were thus ordained, in verse 6, he said, Now, the priest went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. But into the second went the high priest alone once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people. 
the Holy Ghost is signifying. It's about the Holy Ghost. That the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest, while as the first tabernacle was yet standing, which was a figure for the time then present, in which we were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience. If the musicians will go ahead and come forward which stood only in meats and drinks and divers washings and carnal ordinances imposed on them until the time of reformation. And we've got something that can change our conscience, change our thinking. But Christ being come a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, calves but by his own blood, He entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. What holy place? Into your heart. And we'll stop right there. God bless you. Let's meditate on these things as we prepare for the service.